From born in the USA to death to my hometown. This is you, Sprig and Springsteen, on my bean. The comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things Bruce. This is good rock and roll music. I like that uh, intro there. I like. And I think we should keep... We're going to do another take, right? Oh, yeah. I think we should keep the really long good. Good. Okay. Rock and roll music. I think that's really good. Okay, why do another take if you want to keep something? Because I always like to have seven choices. Seven choices. Why seven? Well, number one, the first one, Mm-hmm. That's got all the energy of the energy of the oh previous boy, I get week. to do this. Yeah, and it's been a week since we've yeah, you know, had our hang set. Not tired of it yet. No. Number two is deuce. And we all know what that means. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> number two. And so and that's a special number to us. Yeah, and so you just gotta flush that one down. Yep. Never use number two. Yeah. Number three, trace. Uh, which is uh what are some other What's um, in French? What? How do you say three? Toi, toi, toi. Mena- as in menage à toi. Take it easy. <laughs> I've been hoping you would ask me. <laughs> Take it easy. What three French is? I can't go all the way to seven. So I, 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 I so guess. I could so I could intimate that I want to have a menage à toi with you. <laughs> wow, it's been just been it's waiting been, for it's me. It's been to... almost a decade of doing this show. Waiting for you to ask me this question. And what it took was me asking you how to say three in French. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I've been waiting for that specific question. It's never wow. come up on okay. this show. Well, okay, let's break it down. You want to have a menage a trois. With you. With me. And who else? I mean, it could be someone we know. It could be a total rando. You know what? Should we? Do you think Do you think it, we would get in any trouble if we had like a... A contest for our listeners. <laughs> I think in today's climate, that's a perfect idea. That would be idea. fine, right? <laughs> and by the way, this is cool with Naomi and Kulop because it's us doing it. Yeah, and it's the characters we play on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. This is you, Spring and Springsteen, on my bean. And a uh, very special episode today. We're going to be talking about the double album, The River. Uh, a little bit later on the show, but before we get to that, let me introduce my co-host. He is wearing uh, he's wearing clothes. I can tell that, but he's holding up a big thing in front of what he's wearing. Uh, what's it say? Rowing blaze? Oh, this is a sweat. My sweatshirt. It says rowing blazers on it. Uh huh. And you sweat a lot in that. That's a shirt in order for you to sweat in. Yeah. Well, they call it a sweatshirt. Because you're drenched in sweat when you wear this? Well, if you move around fast. Does it? Does a sweatshirt make you sweat because it's so thick and bulky? Or is it designed to be something to mop up sweat? It absorbs sweat. If, absorbs if, you, sweat. if you happen to sweat in it, it all depends on the temperature and your rate of motion. But if you do sweat in the sweatshirt, uh, soak it right up. Yeah. And then... Cool thing about a sweatshirt is it soaks up all your sweat and then it 
uh, has a self-cleaning option, so you never have to wash. Oh, do you have like hoses and stuff like that in there? There's uh, some sort of apparatus inside the fabric. I'm not sure how. I wondered why the minute you came over here, you asked about my plumbing, and then you hooked it up to. I you also have to try. I have to charge it. Oh a yeah, battery a system of batteries that uh, that you have to charge rechargeable yeah. batteries. Uh yeah, and I, I can charge it anywhere I want. Okay, I'm worried about these batteries next to the water, and you're also hooked up to the electricity as it's well. Very very high voltage, so you have to be careful. But uh, how, other than that, how are you being careful right now? You're just sloshing around. You're yeah, jumping uh, around. Well, I like having a body of water near me when I record the podcast. Uh, it and seems today uns- I'm charging my sweatshirts. It's not a big deal. It seems Those unsafe two- to me. No, it's really. <laughs> now that's not the sound of you being electrocuted. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Wait, I'm not being electrocuted. <laughs> that's just your normal. <laughs> yeah, that's, aren't we recording the podcast? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I almost that's, forgot we were recording. We're having yeah. such a nice conversation. Yeah. Um, Adam Scott is here next to me. Hello, Adam. Hi. And my name is Scott Aukerman, and um, this is uh, episode five of You Spring and Springsteen on my Are beat. we already at episode five? Can you imagine doing five of anything? No. Like what? What things have you done five times? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever done anything five you, times. Yeah, I mean, you would. You wouldn't even do five episodes of any TV show you've ever done, right? You quit it for for. There's this weird rumor that you're in a bunch of seasons of Parks and Rec, but you only did four episodes. Four episodes, just spread out over a series of years, <laughs> and people were always saying like. Where's what was your name in this, Jimmy? Jimmy Bygone. <laughs> Where's Jimmy Bygone? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's four and out. That's my contract. Yeah. Four and out. Yeah. So, and then and you. It's also in your contract that you flip the double birds at everyone as you leave the set. Double birds. Um, and also, if there's an opening credit sequence, I throw up the double bird during that during well. that and it's contractually obligated they have to keep it in they can't pixelate it <laughs> yeah it's which was a there. big problem for nbc for that parks and rec show i know but i'm not discussing uh that corporation oh sure why would we talk about it. these corporations um, no yeah it's a it's a bummer for them but they they make it work you know they figure it out these sure. they know how it's to it's basically distraction right. since they can't pixelate it they, it's like a magic trick. Yeah, like a magic trick. So when you flip the double birds, they they put in audio of someone going, "Hey, over here, over here," and a, like a <laughs> firework in the other on the other side of the screen. And so no one has Look ever at the fireworks. Literally, no one has ever noticed it. No, it's not so one crazy. person. And now, if you go with that in mind, go back and try to pick it out. You will not be able to. You see still it can't see it because it's so distracting. the fireworks are so distracting. Well, the thing is, everyone loves fireworks. Everyone loves them. Shooting them. You know when I love fireworks? Fourth of July. Is this an episode of You Know When I Love Fireworks? I think it is. Hey everyone, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And this is an episode of You Know When I Love Fireworks? I think it's just I Love Fireworks. I thought it was You Know When I Love Fireworks. Oh, You Know When I Love Fireworks. Yeah, of course it is. Why are we fighting about what the name of this show is? It's our Um, first episode. I'm I'm really pissed. I don't want to do this Me neither. Bye. Bye.
Huh. Well, it was off to a strong start, and then it went downhill. Yeah, I, well, I feel like the host... One of the guys got very confused about the name. Well, and then the other guy was a little prickly about it. I don't think that he was prickly. I think he, he had righteous, justified anger towards his co-host. Which I think is the dictionary death of prickly. Sure, but he had reason to be prickly. I, I think uh, when doesn't you call, matter if there's reason or not. When you call someone prickly, prickly it, it, it intimates that the person is wrong for being. Well, guess what? You know, I'm I don't want to do prickly. this anymore. Fuck, Fuck you. This. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, wait, that's our show. <laughs> oh yeah, we can't end this show. <laughs> oh, okay, we got to keep going. Um, Adam, we. I would say it's been. It's been. It's been. Oh wow. Since I saw you, but I actually saw you last night, um, and so it's it's. I believe we parted company approximately thirteen hours ago. D- does that math check out for you? Thirteen. Um, let's see. The baker's dozen mm. amount of hours. Ago. Yeah, about thirteen. I think you're right. It, it's it it actually thirteen ex- hours exactly ago thirteen I... hours ago. Yeah, that you and I we shook hands. As we always do, because we're gentlemen. We are. Every time we see each other, we shake hands. And, and every then time when we, we each other. When we part, mm-hmm. we shake hands again and say, tally-ho, my friend. <laughs> what does tally-ho mean? It means goodbye. Does it? I don't know. Uh, let's look it up. What do you say? I really, really? want to look this up. Tally-ho. <sighs> Traditional English hunting cry. That's exactly It, it may also be used I with said. direction. You said that? Yes. You said it was a traditional English hunting cry? That's, yes. I we s- can play the tape back if you want. What does tally-ho mean? It's a, I don't know. It's a traditional English hunting cry. I, something. I oh, know. yeah, you're right, I bet. I won't even look it up. See? Wow, how strange. Yeah. I even said I wouldn't look it up. But then and then I you did? <laughs> Very weird. Um, But we saw each other not too long ago. And uh, because we got together last on, night again, yeah, last 13 hours, ago. <laughs> 13 hours ago, got together on a, in a rare evening sesh. Hmm. Yeah. Um, because uh, we were invited to a very special screening of a, of a movie. Um, you know what? I feel like this I love is an episode of you talking, talking heads to my talking head. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> From E to Zimbra, you talking talking heads to my talking head? The comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things talking heads. This is good rock and roll music. Hey, welcome back. It's I'm, great to be back. How, it's been, how long has it been? It's been quiet. It's been since uh, the pandemic, I believe. We haven't done an episode since then, but it's great Summer to see Summer of 2-2? Uh, 2020. <laughs> So you, when you abbreviate a year, yeah. you pick the first and third number. That's right. So what were you doing in in eighteen? Like right now, it's we're it, in I mean nineteen eighty four. In one eight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so right now we're in two two. We're in two two right now. But, but back during the pandemic, during two two. Two two. <laughs> Double twos. 
<laughs> and everyone knows what you mean. Double dose. <laughs> the double dose. The double deuce. Double poops. Double poo. The two poops. <laughs> Remember the <laughs> pandemic during the two poops? <laughs> what is this person talking what? about? <laughs> you know, the two poops. <laughs> Dose turds? Oh, you mean 2020. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was the last time we did uh, this. Show. We did an episode. Yeah, of this I, show. I think so. Yeah, we we closed it out uh, right before the uh, vaccine came out. I believe that's right because we our final episode was uh, naked. I believe yes, and right before we all got the vaccine and immediately had heart attacks. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, thankfully, RFK Jr. is out there oh, uh, thank spreading the God. word. About this. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the the I don't know who invited us. Do you know who invited us? Did you ever get confirmation uh, about what 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 person or entity actually extended the invitation to us regarding no, this? No, I don't. I don't know either. My manager just sent it to me. We share a manager. Yeah. So they sent it to us. (laughs) We split everything. We split split a manager, which is very strange because I'm waiting for my episodes of Severance (laughs) to finally happen. Um, Because I'm doing season two, right? Yeah. And I send you all all, (laughs) half my salary. And I send you half of mine, which is fine. It's fair. We could just keep our salaries. I guess. But it's fun. It's so fun. But... um. Yeah, our manager sent us at at the same exact time, and this is right before last week's episode, by the way, uh, as we were sitting down to record last week's episode of You Spring and Springsteen on My Bean, of course, uh, we each got an invite uh, to one of the screenings of the new A24 restoration of Stop Making Sense in 4K. And uh, we got to pick which one we went to. There was one at uh, Vidiots. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Vidiots. Vidiots, which is more by us, but then uh, more by our houses. Not to give us more our assassination us. locations. Yeah. <laughs> our assassination coordinates, as Elon Musk Well, said. you know what? We we will include that in the Instagram post. <laughs> yes, we'll put our assassination episode. coordinates yeah. in in the Instagram post. But, um, but we chose to go to the Arrow... In Santa Monica, which is a bit of a trek for us, but um, be- I wanted to go there because of Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes, Paul Thomas Anderson was moderating a Q and A Q&A with the entire band. Yeah, and uh, we've they very graciously invited two humble podcasters. That's right to such an event. That's right. And um, you went with Naomi. We mm-hmm. met there. Mm-hmm. You went with Naomi and um, f- previous guest on this show. Uh, Tawny New, uh, <laughs> Tawny Newsome. I keep thinking of her Instagram handle, Trondy New <laughs> Newman. Uh, Tawny Newsome went with me, uh, because she's such a we talked about it on the episodes before. She was in the talking head, stop making sense, uh, show tribute show, tribute or- show that she did hundreds of times. Um, and uh, so we we watched the movie, which is what, what was your impression of it? I mean, it was amazing. I'd never seen it on a big screen. I grew up in the uh, in the eight eights, and, or the, in the in the nine eight in the one eights, and seeing a video at home tons of times. Because this movie came out in one eight, came out one eight, nineteen eighty six, of course, nineteen eighty five. No, it came. I think the movie's eighty six, right? Uh, eighty five, eighty four, maybe. I I was looking at the eighty. 
I was looking at the Roman numerals at the end of it. Yeah. And I believe it ended with a, oh no, 84. Is it 84? It is 84. It came out October 19th of 84. Um, But I saw the movie like on VHS, but even more than that, just listen to the album through the entire rest of the eight, uh, one eight. eights. Yeah. Um, and it's one of my very favorite albums and the movie is incredible, but had never seen it in the movie. I remember my brother went and saw it in the movie theater a few times, but for whatever reason, never took you, never took me. What a douche. Uh, but our whole family seemed to be into that album. Like it really? was so, it was just sort of, it's like Graceland. It's like one of those albums that was just everywhere. Boo. Um, if but you it was, are my bodyguard. <laughs> Boom. Uh, but seeing it in the, on the big screen and it looks incredible. It looks like it was filmed yesterday, which it wasn't. It was filmed in the They had the to 1-8. make that clear. They they came up, uh, they stopped the movie in the middle of it. That's right. And they actually said- A few times. And they were like, hey, 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 hey. Because everyone in the audience was like, "This when was what, I, where was this, I? This was filmed yesterday, what, obviously. Why were we invited to this instead of yesterday? That's right. And they said, hey, 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 shut the fuck up. Yeah. This was filmed 40 years ago almost. Yeah. And we went, oh. Oh, right. I right. forgot. Uh, I thought the other the other thing that was interesting was uh, the movie started about uh, 15, 20 minutes late. Yeah. Which I, I thought was to be expected yeah. uh, with an event. It was okay. It was fine. You were getting a little antsy. So yeah. to help you out, um, I stood up and addressed the crowd and I said, yeah. stop making sense. More like start showing movie. Yeah. And everyone laughed. They clapped. They clapped. Uh, and then you jammed a tranquilizer dart into my leg, which yep. also chilled me out. <laughs> yep, you were fine after that. Uh, but it also sounded amazing because yes. back when they made the movie, it was just uh, just stereo. movie theaters was just stereo. But now it's you know obviously they, this was not uh, this was clarified to me after you left uh, at the party afterwards. This it was not the full Atmos Dolby Atmos sound in, at the era because of that. Yeah, and uh, I was told by a certain party that if I could see it in IMAX in a Dolby Atmos theater to try to go see it because the sound is even better. Because, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna definitely see it because I guess there are speakers on the ceiling and in the Atmos ones, so everything kind of like pings around. They have speaker uh, in Dolby Atmos. They have a s- speaker on your seat that you sit on. Yeah, that you can shit on as well. They call it the the. <laughs> Pooper, uh, pooper, <laughs> pooper scooper. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so oh, anyway, boy. it was amazing. What did you think? Oh, it was great. I mean, the, the, the level of detail and clarity, uh, I, d- at certain, it's like it was filmed yesterday at certain, I kind of felt that too. And yeah. I was like confused. Cause I was like, why invite us to this shit? Right. When we could have just watched the concert I yesterday, the, but, but then someone made it clear to me. Um, but I was leaning over to Tawny, uh, occasionally pointing out little things that I'd never noticed before, but she's seen it so many times. She had to watch it hundreds of times. She must have loved that, you interrupting the film to point out <laughs> things you had never noticed before. No, we were both sort of doing, but I yeah. the, like in the last song, there's a shot of, you can see faintly in the background the od- the front row of the audience, yeah. and there's a guy, everyone's dancing except one guy who seems to be putting his belongings into it. Like into getting ready to go. <laughs> getting ready to go. And I was like, look at that guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the level of detail and clarity is, is fascinating. It sounds great. It looks amazing. It's still such a great movie. And it's then, so good. Like the, yeah. like that, um, what a day that was the way mm-hmm. that's filmed. It's in all close ups of yeah. every member of the band. And then 
cuts cuts out cuts to the wide shot twice really really quick yeah amazing i mean just the movie itself is just paul thomas anderson introduced it and just said he asked for a show of hands people who hadn't seen the movie before uh, surprisingly a lot yeah. of people at the theater had not seen it before and he was like good you're yes. in for 88 minutes of just joy and it really is it's just all energy and joy and it's hard like i know at the video screening people everyone was Actually, up and people dancing. were dancing I, I think in some of the other ones at like in toronto and stuff people were dancing it was i think these seats yeah. were a little it was kind of like, a bummer like vidiot's i think has like more wide, wide aisles chairs and stuff yeah. like and, and and so people were just kind of uh, it, it was a little compacted for us so it was hard not to. and we were in the center because you I picked know. the seats and you were like front row center or nothing they were per, like great great seats i have I to mean, say they were i mean they were it was only, like right in the was a little the, towards the front but and there were kind only of like the 10 people standing up in front of us blocking our which is fine that's fine i mean you were used to that um oh but, wait no no because one of them i thought was david byrne oh no that's that was the movie that was the movie see that it wasn't people blocking no no movie. no one the people holding instruments were in the film <laughs> uh I thought it was uh, it was great, and it did feel like a concert sort of because everyone applauded after, after every, every single song. song. And when yeah. uh, like Steve Scale was out there, uh, yeah, trying to get the the crowd in the Pantages where they filmed it to clap, everyone clapped. Yeah. you know, along with it. It's so, crazy that they filmed that at the Pantages. Yeah, growing where, up, I where I saw it the was... musical six. Yeah, and I saw the producers. <laughs> <laughs> Who was in that? It was Martin Short, and oh, that must have been good. It was great. It was awesome. Martin Short, Short and Howard Hessman. Howard, I would love to see Howard Hessman. Do I that. saw him uh, uh, do uh, Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Really? Was it great? It was good. And he, he got a huge round of applause because he played the Sid Caesar, essentially. He played the boss. Hmm. And he yelled so hard, he made his entire face turn beet red. Like it was a trick he sort of figured out he could do. He made his entire face beet red and everyone applauded for it. No, that's all I re- really. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> what a bizarre trick! Um, yep, cops hate this one bizarre trick. Um, but uh, so so then the uh, the the film ended, and Paul Thomas Anderson moderated the Q and A with the entire band. And that's right, uh, Mr. Burns was Jason there. Alexander and Martin Short. That's right, um. Uh, and and the rest everyone was there and um it was a it was a good q a i saw clips of the one from toronto the spike lee hosted and this was a better q a i feel uh-huh. like a little more in depth and mm-hmm. paul thomas anderson had um a relationship with jonathan demi and mm-hmm. was his friend i guess before jonathan demi passed away and heard a lot of stories that mm-hmm. he then told yeah <laughs> even and though, brought, he brought gary getzman up yeah the who produced, the, produced movie. the movie they were they they were old they knew each other and i guess gary getzman the the waterbed salesman in licorice pizza is based on him the the whole movie is based on gary getzman's childhood really yeah oh interesting gary okay. getzman is the coolest guy i know him just a tiny bit mm. he's so fun and the best storyteller and grew up here and had the craziest life apparently and the most interesting life wow. growing up in the valley and he's a he's a really cool fun dude he's like tom Hanks. he works at playtone and oh, cre- i think okay. created playtone with tom Hanks. oh great well he he felt like he no one was there to see him so 
Paul Thomas Anderson was sort of like, tell this story, tell this story. He's like, nah. Yeah. And so Paul Thomas Anderson was like, I'll tell it. And yeah. then told uh, a fascinating story. Can I, I, I oh, it wasn't just for that room, I feel like, because Deadline yeah, Hollywood yeah, yeah. was taping and yeah, everything. Yeah. But he told the funniest story about the fact that when they were making Stop Making Sense, um, Jonathan Demme scheduled it and everything. And then the movie he was do- he did before Stop Making Sense called Swing Shift, notoriously just bad disaster of a movie. Um, they, they then had to do reshoots and they scheduled them on the same days as the Stop Making Sense. Yeah. And so Jonathan Demme had to do swing shift in the mornings and afternoon and then go over to drive over to the Pantages and do Stop Making Sense. Um, <clears throat> and they didn't tell the band yeah, because they didn't want the band to go like, why isn't the director here? So Yeah, they David, didn't want David Byrne to freak out. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Burns was constantly wandering in going, where's Jonathan? Yeah. And they would go, oh, at lunch, he'll be right back. <laughs> and he was not there during a lot of the pre-production. Um, but then he is at swing shift and he had a, a, a very do- well-documented, very bad time with the star of swing shift, one of the stars of swing shift. And, uh, so that particular star felt like Jonathan Demi was too focused on the talking heads movie he was doing concurrently and wanted to punish him for it. And so slowed everything down on set and like took, you know, did multiple takes and, and took a really long time to get ready. And so it was just dragging everything out because she wanted to make him late to yeah. to the Pantages. And he's he's got to go at five and he's constantly looking at his watch, Jonathan Demi is. And so Ed Harris, the actor, is also in the movie, gets wind of what's going on and starts to see the machinations of what the star is doing and goes into his trailer and an hour later calls a PA in and goes, oh, I have a terrible stomach ache. I can't continue on today. He sounds like Bruce Springsteen. Oh, one, two, three, huh? <laughs> um, and he's like, I can't, I can't continue on. And they're like, come on, you gotta, we're here, we're doing research. He goes, nope, I can't film until tomorrow. We're gonna have to cancel until tomorrow. So everything wraps. Jonathan Demi gets out of there uh, in time for his call. He jumps in his car and who opens the passenger side door, but Ed Harris, he goes, come on, let's rock. And like goes to the concert. So with Ed him. Harris is out there in the audience and stop for making one, sense. Yeah, for the first day or something. That's so yeah. cool. So, and they filmed the movie over three nights. So it's three shows. Yes. They did four apparently. Oh, really? Uh, Cause even Mr. Burns said, Oh, we've filmed it four nights, but I, th- they filmed the first three and then they did a regular show without filming it on the fourth. Like, oh, and it was the end of the tour. Oh, that's right. Um, I would imagine they did pickups with, without an audience. Too, yes. Right. That's the other thing is, is I feel like before the audience ever got there, they did some of the stuff like the opening shot of the movie where he walks yeah. out without an audience. But I would imagine stuff. some close-ups too, because yeah. they're right up. And what I had, never really noticed in the movie before was how much you could see the cameraman yeah and the big film canisters kind of walking around like yeah the oh big he, Panavision he also cameras. told a, uh, a very funny story about jonathan demi that he was so excited he rolled every can they had six cameras they <laughs> rolled he rolled every camera at the same time at the beginning of the show yeah. and they all rolled out of film <laughs> on the first night they yeah. all rolled out of film at the exact same time so every single camera missed one of the songs yeah and he realized uh the next night oh okay stagger the cameras and it's um, jordan cronin weth 
it's Cronin Weth. Is that how you pronounce it? The DP. Right. Who's just unbelievable. Right. Uh, um, and so they're both, they've both passed away since. Uh, but yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson was really close with Jonathan Demme and is thanked in the credit. So I would imagine he also right. helped out with the, with the restoration yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was really cool. They were, they, the band was telling stories. They, and then, then at a certain point, Paul Thomas Anderson asks what's kind of a touchy question, I believe, because we talked about it on the previous episode about, he asks, um, Tina Verymouth, he asks her, so, how do you feel now about the Tom Tom Club song being in the movie? And she, Chris, Chris, by the way, is like, ah, I'm not going to answer this. Chris France. Yeah. And she's like, well, it's fine now. Now we're glad. I'm, I, I'm not totally getting what the problem was. So it because problem- David Byrne was, a, was dismissive of no, Tom Tom Club? The, the problem was, and I believe we covered this, on our previous episode, uh, talking about the movie. In pro- Tutu? Yeah, in Tutu. The problem was that the Tom Tom Club was Tina and her sisters singing. Oh, that's right. And so Tina and her sisters uh, normally would do, they, and they never did full concerts. They just did like, because they didn't have really Yeah, it was just like a They would fluke. open for Talking Heads occasionally doing five songs or yeah. something like that, and Tina's sisters would sing. But when, on this big tour they were doing, Tina's sisters weren't going to come just for one song. Yeah. So uh, they, and this was always a song to cover Mr. Burns changing into the big suit. Yeah. And there was never any intention for it to be in the movie. So Tina's sisters come to the Pantages to watch this movie being filmed. And they could very well have said like, come on up and sing this yeah. song with us. But they were like, Let's why? Just, why? Let's. It's not going to be in the movie. Let's just do what the tour yeah. is going to be doing. Cut to it is in the movie. Jonathan Demi, I believe, insists on it being in the movie. Tina's sisters don't talk to her for years. That sucks. Yeah. And t- so Tina's telling this story about what a problem it caused between her and her sisters at the time. And she kind of casually says... um, because my sisters are great, and of of course, uh, you know, Lynn and Edna um, did such a good job singing what they sang, and she, and she goes, oh, and they're here, by the way, and uh, so Lynn Mabry and Edna Holt, who do who do all the the backing vocals yeah. throughout the movie, who are incredible in it, yeah, are there in the audience. Tawny, who played Lynn Mabry in the the recreation tribute that she show, did, the yeah. tribute show that she did hundreds of times, gasps audibly, yeah. and they say, "Oh, Steve is also here too, Steve Scale." Yeah, come on, come, come on up stage, and so the three of them come on stage. Yeah, just incredible to see. It's amazing to see these guys. Is Alex Weir no longer with us? The uh, guitarist Alex Weir is still with us. Okay, uh, he's but amazing. no idea where he lives. Maybe he's not in L.A. Yeah. Um. So Tawny's just like fangirling and uh, Lynn and, and Edna talk about like what an incredible experience this was. I think, yeah. I think they, you know, they, they went around, they sang with bands and they were like, oh yeah, it's a gig. Yeah. And they really liked the Talking Heads gig, I think. And we're like, oh, uh, I think Lynn talked about how she hadn't even heard of them 
but went in and saw a rehearsal and was like, oh, these guys are actually really good. Yeah. But they, and then they had fun doing the whole tour, yeah. but they thought that was it. And they heard about the movie and were sort of like, oh yeah, the movie. But you know, when something like that is being filmed, you never expect it yeah, to be as huge. To be a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could just be like a DVD they put it, you know yeah. what I mean? So it becomes this phenomenon and they're just like, and it, it opens so many doors for all three of them. Steve yeah. talked about that as well, about how it opened up. Uh, he got to work with some of the most amazing musicians in the world because of it. Yeah. And it was really cool. And I'm like, Tani, you have to, you have to talk to Lynn. Yeah. And she's like, no, I mean, she won't want to hear it. It's so dorky. She won't want to hear from me. I, I was like, we have to go yeah, up and talk yeah. to Lynn afterwards. So you you took off because yeah. you were like, I'm fucking out of here. And you gave the double birds. Audi 5000. That's, That's, what, I That's what I always say. And so Tony and I hung out in the back. Um, and uh, a kid came by and passed us who looked exactly like Jerry Harrison and Tony says, Oh, that's uh, Jerry Harrison's son. Mm -hmm. And so I met Jerry Harrison's son who helped, by the way, is this an episode of, I met Jerry Harrison's son? I think it is. <laughs> hey everyone. Welcome to, I met Jerry Harris, son, son. This is Scott. And this is Scott. So wait, you met Jerry Harrison's son? Yes, I met Jerry Harrison's son, and um, uh, he, uh, I get he he told me he helped set up uh, the interview, the interview, or some of the audio. Did you go say hi to Jerry Harrison? I did, but this is an episode of I Met Jerry Harrison's son. Right. So never mind. Never mind that. Well, I'll talk about that on a different show. Great. So, uh, uh, but nice, nice guy. Now, how old a kid is he? You say kid. I would say he was between zero and 150 years old. Okay, great. If that narrows it down for it you. It does. Uh, nice guy. Great. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that was solid. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be a, a long podcast <laughs> yeah. with many more many episodes. Many more episodes. If I meet him ever again. Sure. We'll do another app. It would have to be I saw Jerry Harris son son again rather than I met because you so only that meet might, someone once. That might have just been the only episode of that then. Yeah, it's a limited series. One and done. Very limited. Yeah. Um, so everyone's filing out. You took off. And so finally Audi 5000 yeah finally uh we go back into the theater because of the throng of people have all dispersed and uh i see lynn kind of like going to her her whole family was there her daughter was there who mm -hmm. was three when they filmed it and all this kind of stuff it was mm -hmm. very cool that her family was there to see this um and i'm like tony go on go on go on and i like drag her over to her and um so she talks to Lynn, who's like, and she says, like, I've watched you hundreds and hundreds of times doing this. Um, I've studied your every move. And Lynn's like, oh, my God, that's incredible. And and hugs her and is like, follow me on Instagram. You know, gave her. She's like, I'm official Lynn Mabry, not Lynn Mabry official. Um, and it's like, OK. Uh, and then we took pictures. I forced Tani to take pictures with yeah. her and stuff. Uh, it was very cool. That's awesome. So had she heard of the show, the the tribute show before? No, no. This was a Chicago thing, I, I think. I see. So 
she hadn't heard of it, but was just like, oh, cool. And and Tawny was like, you know, you you opened up so many spaces for me in this rock space, yeah. felt, made me feel like I could do it and all this kind of stuff. It was That's very cool. nice. Uh, so then we went to the after party and we were like, the band's not going to be there. Yeah. Right? yeah. Nope. All four of them at all the bar. All four of them there. <laughs> Wow. Now, did they hang out together and socialize together at it the party? It didn't quite seem like it. It seemed like David was sort of off by himself. Uh, Tawny and I talked to Jerry uh, for a bit and reminded him of who we were. Oh, you did? Uh, Is this was- an episode of I Met Jerry Harrison? <laughs> I think so. Hey, everyone. Welcome to I Met Jerry Harrison. This is Scott. And this is Scott. So you met Jerry Harrison. I don't consider a Zoom sesh to be a meeting. No, of course not. This is an in-person meet. So you met... uh, Is this an episode of (laughs) I Met Jerry Harrison in person? I think so. Hey, everyone. Welcome to I Met Jerry Harrison in person. This is Scott. And this is Scott. So you met Jerry Harrison in person. In person. This was an in-person meet. I don't consider a Zoom sesh to be an in-person Me meet. So uh, talk to Jerry Harrison. Bye. Bye. So anyway, I talked to Jerry Harrison um and uh he was talking to Tony and us about the, the he, how he mixed everything right he was in charge of the whole all the mixing yeah, and stuff like that restoration he, he told us about the atmos you know how oh you got to go see it in actual IMAX with the atmos because of the speakers and all that kind of stuff very nice to see him uh, okay bye bye So yeah, so uh now what about Tina Weymouth and Chris France? Were they they were all off? They, they were off sort of together by themselves. And then Lynn and her family were in a booth and and we passed them and and Tony was like, I'm not stalking you. And uh and she's like she was like, No, I was just telling my family about what you told me about how you like did this tribute to and played me, and they were so fascinated. I was I was like, Hey, Tony is in the new Star Trek show mm-hmm. and they they said not the cartoon right and tony's like no it's the cartoon and they go well we know an actor on it don our friend don is in it and tony's like she plays my mom on it and so they like oh, connected cool. on that very cool so uh uh tony went up to talk to mr burns she's like do you want to talk to mr burns i was like nah i'm all right yeah <laughs> i didn't expect him to care about this podcast yeah so, yeah yeah so tony went up and just was like thank you for everything and he was just like huh oh okay <laughs> Did she get a photo with no. Mr. Burns? Um, but, and then we just, we left because we didn't know a single other person there. Okay. Well, sounds like a, sounds like a fun night. So all in all, do you think I was home uh, in sweatpants by the time you left the party in? Definitely. Yeah. And you were working up at incredible sweat. In yeah. Those I mean, those pants make me sweat they were soaked and you were reeking and i had to turn on the uh, self-cleaning mechanism in those pants <laughs> by the way you're wearing them right now and yeah you're hooked up to the electricity yeah. and uh, and there's a pool of water at my feet yeah i'm just very worried about you but uh uh 
Well, that's great. It, it was so fun. And Thank you to whomever invited us. We don't know who. Yeah. I was sort of like, is this from Jerry? I would yeah. imagine it's just, the, I think it's PR a, a company. 20, yeah, A24 yeah. or whatever just was like, oh, there's these guys who would probably love an invite. but uh, And we did. Or they just invited a shitload of people and just yeah, because because uh, your survivor buddy Jeff Probst was there. Yeah, Jeff Probst was there. Yeah, and John C. Riley was there. Huh. Uh, Bo Burnham was there. Uh huh. Which I didn't know till I got home. I didn't see any. Oh, Megan Amram was there, and we talked. She about was. It. Yeah, we talked. For I a didn't bit. see her. Well, guess what? You'd taken off by then. Shit. Um. And yeah, it was. Incredible! It was just incredible to to. I'm gonna go if it plays at IMAX up at Universal. I'm gonna go see that. What about now? I wonder if the the man's Chinese IMAX. Oh, would, maybe it'll play. I there. think it's there because now let's talk about the because they they re released the album as well in this new restoration, yeah. this new mix. Right. Have you listened to that? I have not. You you have though. I have, and it's really interesting. It's it's very different for. I mean, if you've grown up with the album and listened to it thousands of times like I have, I think it's quite a bit different. There's some really interesting things. There's more crowd noise like during the songs, which is weird. And there it more sounds people like going like, hey, over here. Hey, look at me. <laughs> check, check this out. Hey, hey, cameraman. Check, check out these. Look at my hands. Look at my tits. Um. And also different vocal takes and stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Because I think uh, some of it was re-recorded. Psycho Killer. I think some of it was re-recorded in the studio, maybe. Back in the day. I mean, this is a lot of crowd noise. Is this the this is the new killer. mix? Yeah, this is the new mix. I mean, I hear a guitar. I hear occasionally people going, "Woo!" I hear some claps, some hand yeah, there, clapping. Yeah, there wasn't this much crowd noise in the original. Well, okay, so the original, there's three different versions of the Right, the, the original original is no longer available. Yes, I have it, but Where did you, do you just have the old CD and you burned yeah, it? Yeah. Because I love that Psycho Killer. Yes, without the extended dance breaks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, for the original, they edited it down. They have nine songs and edited it down to 40 minutes or so. Um and but so there's had, no they, heaven. There's no. This yeah. must be the place. But they have uh, what a day that was, which is great. And um, they ha they have a lot of the the great songs on it. But they had to edit little snippets out of the songs in order to make everything fit. Yeah. But they. But for me, a guy who'd heard once in a lifetime and burning down the house. This was my introduction to me too. Talking Heads. So me too. it was like a greatest hits album. Yeah. In a way. And I didn't even know that that what a day that was wasn't a Talking Heads right. song. It's just a David for Byrne song. Decades, probably. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a the three different versions of the record. That there's that original one. Then they put out a few years back. They did the uh, special edition, which included everything from the actual movie, almost. But yes, everything from the movie. Yeah. And then right. this new edition is a different mix, and then they include two cut songs from the movie, which were previously only on DVD. Cities and Ezimbra and Big Business. But Cross-eyed and Painless was not on the second edition, was it, or was it? Yes, Cross-eyed and Painless is the final song 
on the second edition. It is interesting. Yes. Um, Because I had forgotten that was even in the movie. That's how long ago, how long it had been since I'd seen that movie. I mean, we watched it in 2-2. I mean, I watched most of it in 2-2. You shut it off before the end. (laughs) I had seen it. Here's a little maybe I did. It was just this is big business slash E Zimbra. This is off the special new edition. This is not in the movie. It was a deleted scene from the movie. You can find it on the DVD. It just goes on like that for a long time. Um (laughs) But play like What do you want to play to prove your fucking point? To get me to agree with you. I don't Is that know. what it's going to take? No, I play Life During Wartime. See what that sounds like. All right. Hey, hey, hey. This is Life During Wartime, yo. Oh, yeah, I hear it. There's a, it's a little bit different. Are you joking? Another one. We eat the this best takes music. a minute to to kick in. I hear like DJ Khaled. Okay, now play the second version of it. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Is <laughs> <laughs> this the second version? The second version. It sounds very similar. <laughs> oh, one might even say the same. Wait till wait for it to kick in because maybe the crowd noise hasn't quite started yet. All right, maybe this was maybe, a, there, maybe there is more crowd noise. Let's hear that third version one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a bad uh, example. No, I want to hear this third version. <laughs> okay, there's no crowd noise. That's a bad example. Hold on, I want to hear this crowd noise. There's none. There's none. There's none. none. I think you're playing the same version. I'm over not. And over. I think you are. <laughs> Let's listen to the first oh, version. Jesus Just kidding. <laughs> the first version is probably very different, right? Probably. Here it is. Yeah. It's like a. It sounds like it's in a studio. A little bit. Yeah. The keyboard sound is a little bit different. It feels like. That that did 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 that's yeah. that's different. <laughs> it does sound a little different. It does. There's zero crowd noise. Well, there there wasn't. Before. Well, we'll never figure this. I out. I want to get that first version from you because. Yes. Yeah. Well, what would you do with it? Stick it up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do with it? How would you listen to it? You you say that you don't uh, have any way to listen to MP3s, right? No, I just put them in my thing. <laughs> All right, I'll send them to you and you can put them in your thing. <laughs> it's not difficult to... Uh... Uh-huh. The name of this band is Talking Heads is a great live album, too. That's I great, always and, forget and they, about they that. Don't, they put it out like only three years earlier than this one so everyone was kind of like another live record from talking heads and people were like no i think we have to do it all right 
look, we got to go. <laughs> we'll see you next time. We hope that you find what you've been looking for. Mate. Good app. That was a long them. app. Yeah. Haven't my goodness. In a good long time. Um, one other thing, Adam, I think we have to talk about. And look, we're, we're taping this well in advance of um, when the episode comes out. So pardon us for not getting to this news sooner. But um, Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees put out a very interesting record, which we should talk about. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. From chronic to collapse, town and into now, that is. This is R.U. Talking R.E.M. Remy. The comprehensive and... Hey, welcome everyone. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And so Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees... I texted you this news. Sure did. And you responded with a simple, whoa. <laughs> uh, Mickey Dolenz is putting out an EP of REM covers. What a weird thing to happen. And it was, uh, reading an article about it, it was someone suggested he do it, and he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but um, he they, they put out the first single, and it's a cover of Shiny Happy People, a song which... When R.E.M. does it, I would say I'm not incredibly fond of. Yeah, I I think they played it live once on SNL. Right. And that's it. Um, But uh, Michael uh, Stipend put out a quote about it saying, Mickey Dolan's covering R.E.M. monkey style. I have died and gone to heaven. Um, So let's hear a little bit of it. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to. like this more yes. than the original i do <laughs> it's 
funny because with this and stand, Michael Stipend always said he was that, trying to do bubblegum. Yeah, like monkeys bubble and yeah. strawberry alarm clock and like those kinds of bands. And I and I had always felt like, well, you guys are better than that, right? So you don't have to do that. But um, but this is a I think a perfect it's marriage. Yeah, it's awesome. Now did, the what others, did you think of the yeah the track list? That it's weird. Put? It's it's a it's interesting. What is it again? Uh, <laughs> I just know leaving leaving New it? York is on there. Yeah, leaving New York I thought was one of the stranger ones. Um, it's only five songs. It is. Um, I'll tell you exactly what the the songs are. Um, it's the aforementioned shiny happy people. Radio Free Europe. Yeah. Um, Man on the Moon. Oh, it's only four songs. And leaving New York. Leaving New York is the odd choice, I think. So I'm really excited to hear that one. Radio Free Europe is odd too. Just, yeah. I mean, it's a. I I can see though that because I can I feel like I can see that one because it's based in like 60s jangle pop. I guess so. Yeah, being I guess that interesting. Makes sense. But uh, Leaving New York is a very weird one. So I, I can see him giving it that that we just listened to that treatment. Yeah, for Leaving New York because it's kind of a big spacious song. I really like that song a lot. Yeah, that's great. I get, oh, look, pre-ordered. Mickey, you're crazy for this one. It, I think that it sounds great. It's cool. Should we listen to Leaving New York just to see like how we think he'll... Uh... No. Okay. Because um, we, you know, I feel like we, we got to wrap up this yeah, episode, gotta, you know? So, uh, oh, wait. They also announced the 25th anniversary oh, of Up coming out. Yeah, and uh, you're, the concert you were at is on the uh, the second disc. I mean, the fact that I'm we now going to have it. a recording of this uh, Party of Five concert that I always try and, like... You, tr- you tried to find bootlegs of it and stuff, Yeah, right? yeah. and just I can't believe it actually happened. It was like... They played the palace because that's where we were shooting the episode. And you were in the episode? I was in the episode. Right. You're in the episode and you were thrilled when this happens and your favorite band and they they shoot this concert at the palace and it's sort of a warm up for their tour. Yeah. They shoot the, spent the day shooting this one One song song. at my most beautiful four that's going to be in the show. They played it over and over again. Right. And then- after they wrapped up filming, they played a mini set to warm up for their tour right. for whoever was it's like around. Ten, ten or twelve songs or something like that. Yeah, it was an and, hour. Yeah, and uh, you said that you said you were an eyewitness. You said there it was at the palace, which is a small place, but it wasn't even a quarter full because not it was even crew and cast. It was cast and crew, and I read somewhere it said fan club members, but I don't really even remember that and you Maybe. were that rare person that straddled both of yes. those <laughs> cast and crew and fan club yes. member <laughs> um i remember i think it got up to about 100 maybe 150 right. people eventually but even that place it wasn't that many people i feel like if only you had had the foresight to in between songs just shout adam scott yeah then <laughs> so we that, could that would be on the recording now they did put out the version of day sleeper from that show and i did listen to it seeing if i could hear myself going yeah going nuts in between much like on the yeah. dennis miller show watching uh yeah <laughs> someone found that right yeah, yeah, that yeah, right? yeah yeah all right well gotta go bye 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 waiting for the song to start bye
Lots, that was excellent. Lots going on, man, with all of our shows. Busy. This We haven't just, even gotten to the fucking Bruce Springsteen a show of, A lot of fucking upkeep <laughs> yeah. on this show. Yeah, but uh, housekeeping. All, and we haven't even gotten into the uh, the original show, which we'll do on a future, uh, future show, I would imagine, because there's a little bit of news coming out of that, that camp. Um, all right, but we have to take a break. Wait, which camp? He... Oh, yeah. Jesus. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, okay. Because we got to get back to Bruce, bro. Yeah, bro. Um, we have to take a break before Bruce. We'll be right back with more You Spring and Springsteen on my bean after this. Welcome back. You spring and spring scene on my bean. My bean. My bean. My bean. My, my bean. bean. Springing on my bean. Springing on my bean. My bean. Um, what's up, dude? Should we get uh, into the album or did you want to uh, chit chat about our Bruce boy? This what is a we, long album. I'm just. What would we chit chat about? Our Bruce I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yes, he hasn't. He hasn't contacted us. Now it's a little dispiriting, to be honest. I think now he's sending a message. Obviously, he's obviously heard that we're doing well, the show. Yeah, he's listened to the to the show. If there was a podcast about either of us, believe you me, we would know about it. I'd be on that like white on rice, mm-hmm. like a fly. On all of my turds. Yeah, on every single one of your turds. <laughs> but um, so he's heard about it. At this point, it's kind of like he knows our demands. Yeah. But we've always said whenever Bruce wants to do this interview, that'll be yeah. the next episode. That's it. So he has not said yes yet. So unfortunately, we have to talk about the river. That's right. It sucks. And we're sorry. But not the river. The river doesn't suck. Oh, it's fine. But. The fact that we have to talk. The fact that we have to talk about instead of chit-chatting with the boss. The boss. Is unfortunate. But, um, you know, that's the way it happens when body starts lapping from doing a wild thing. Um, Ew. Is that the lyric? When body starts slapping? Yeah. Ugh. That's my favorite part of sex. When the is how the body bodies slap against each other. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Shakespeare, from Shakespeare making the beast with two backs to Tone Loke, that's what happens when, when bodies, bodies start, start slapping. slapping. Good Lord. Talking about sex. Our poet laureates talk about sex. Um, Who's, a, who's you got Shakespeare, then you got Tone Loke. Yeah. Like, who else? It's been 30 years. Who's next? I know. Everyone's just kind of waiting for that next. It was uh, like, okay, Shakespeare, then 200 years goes by, Tone Loke comes around. Like, oh, finally. Finally. And I think it was when Body Starts Slapping that kind of woke everyone up. And everyone was like, okay, this is the modern day bard. Yeah. Then he stars in Ace Ventura. And Heat. And Heat. Pretty great role in Heat. Um, is he as transphobic in heat as, as he is in, <laughs> in real life? <laughs> no, in, uh, Ace Ventura. I don't remember him in Ace Ventura. <laughs> well, he's a, it uh, seems like you don't remember him in heat. 
who is he in Heat? He's uh, he's not informant he, for one of Al Pacino's CIs hooks Al Pacino up with Tone Loke, and he gives him a clue that Tom Sizemore's character says "slick" a lot, and, and he plays gets, he plays Tone Loke in it, right? He's like, "Hi, I'm Tone Loke. I'm I, informing on these people." Yeah, he's because like, "I'm a snitch. This is my reputation. I'm poet laureate and a total snitch." <laughs> No, I, he plays some guy. Are you going to be in Heat 2? Yes. Uh, I read Heat 2. I read that I, novel. I have a cool up got it for Christmas it's for me. I haven't read it yet. fucking awesome. I want to read it. I hope they do make that movie. You should be in it. Who would you be in it? Um, Like some dumb asshole play, in the bank who gets shot in the head immediately? I would play. <laughs> I would play. his pants I would play Hank, Hank Azaria's character. <laughs> Who's if Hank? Hank isn't available. Wait, who's Hank Azaria? Hank Azaria was having the affair with Ashley Judd. I think you need to see Heat again. I just saw it. You did? Hank yes. Azaria. I don't remember him in it. I've, look, I've gone on a whole journey with Hank Azaria watching uh, uh, that, that he's shitty the HBO show that he's in. Oh, right, right. <laughs> with I, The weekend. I didn't. I missed that one. Uh, the Idol. So I've I, I've I've got Hank Azaria burned into the cortex of my brain. He's the best. He's in Heat, and he's in, oh he's in the scene where it's like she's got a great ass, great ass, um, and they trimmed out the line right after that in the new kind of the version you see now. They've kind of trimmed that scene a little bit. It's they weird. Have? Why? Yeah, French Connection style. It, wait, this is an episode of I Love Films. Oh, most definitely. Hey everyone, welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. We're talking about trim. Trimming movies. Trimming movies. Editing, as they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snip, snip, snip. Little snippers. Uh, it's it's an, really one of the most uh, underappreciated parts of movie making. It's a tool. It's a tool. Much like the cavemen fashioned wheels out of rocks. That's right. With l- tiny, uh, sharper rocks. That's right. Editors get in there and craft the movie. That's right. Because a lot of movies are just, they don't have editing. I'm going to tell you something right now. Editing, the old snip snip, mm-hmm. can be the director's best friend or worst mm-hmm. enemy. Worst enemy. And an editor, when they, when they finish a film, much like I finished The Between Two Ferns, the movie starring Adam Scott. That's right. You turn it over to an editor and you say, here Have you. a little go at Cuddy Cuddies. Yeah. And then you That's just the traditional thing. hold it's, on to it's your pants. It's a lot pants. like saying martini. In yeah, the second exactly. Letter. You have to say, Have a little go at the Cuddy Cuddies. That's and the it. editor goes, Ha ha. I've and if you don't you say see. that, it's bad luck. Yeah. Who, and who knows what they'll do with it? Yeah. They could throw it in the trash. That's right. Um, What what do they cut out, though, of heat? It just after he says, She's got a great, great ass. ass. He says, there's something about me. But when you're talking about a woman's ass, I uh, I can't contain myself. There's something like that. And uh-huh. that is now gone. It's either that or, and you got your head all the way up it. <laughs> either one or both of those I things. I feel like are I gone. don't need to see. They reduced that scene. It's really weird that the. Having seen it so many times, it's weird for you. It's a lot like this uh, Talking Heads. Uh, stop making sense. The differences between the second edition and the first, third edition. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> similar to that. See what Adam does with all of his media is he watches and listens to things over, over and over, over again. and over again, and then 
on his 25th time goes, wait, is this different? There's also one line in a scene between Al Pacino and Diane Venora that's been trimmed out. One little like half a sentence. I don't, to be honest, I do not believe you. (laughs) I went on YouTube and there's like one other person that has a video with like four views that's like, um, this line was reduced. So Pardon I know it's me real. For, for saying I, I am not going to take your word for it, but uh, I just listened to Life During Wartime approximately 12 different times. So wait, are you denying that the new mix is different than the old mix? It's a completely different mix. Between second and third? Yes. It's a new... I don't know. I haven't listened to it. And the one example you gave me, <laughs> they were exactly the same. Exactly the same. So, pardon me for not doing more of a deep dive on this, but I feel like I'm wasting my life. Well, talking to you, you should, you should, uh, you should dive in because it's super interesting. I don't want to? It's very. Different. I have things to do. It's very different. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow. Well, that got contentious. It really did. I don't know if there's going to be any more episodes of that or of this. Um, Why are we talking about this? Talking about heat. Anyway, you should be in heat too. You want to be Hank Azaria? You want to like, do they, is that character in the book? But the thing is now I am uh, older than Hank Azaria was. Yeah. So you got to be like one of these, one of these dumb assholes in the movie. Who's like 60 or 80 in the movie. Yeah. Like who would that be? The movie goes back way back in the past and then goes way into the future it's oh maybe you could be way in the future like a baby who was in the first one yes yes that's right because it goes 50 years in the future it goes into like the 27 yeah it goes like like into the i'm sorry the the two sevens yeah it's 2187 when oh so it's two eight two eight yeah two eight um all right let's talk about the river yeah we hate to do it but we have to um this came out in one eight one eight, love it. October seventeen. So we're talking. I mean, we are two weeks away from the scariest oh holiday of God. all time. Do you think he did that intentionally because he wanted to scare people? I think he wanted to get in there before the scares because he was worried that too many people would be saying, ah! "Yeah," and and he would you wouldn't be able to hear because we're talking about November first, November Day, right? Yeah, November Day. Yeah. I, maybe it's like the river has some like spiritual spooky connotations. That's what it's about. Well, a lot of people drown in rivers. That's true. Um, Depends on the river. And uh, the River Wild, the movie, you oh, know, yeah, Meryl Streep got kidnapped and uh, was held hostage against her will. Yeah. By uh, John C. Riley. Okay, so it's it's a tie-in with the tie-in with the Wild. River Wild, certainly. Um, came out October 17th, 1980, recorded at the power station. We're back at the power station. Um, produced by the boss and John Landau, his producer manager, and a little guy named little Steven. Now, how long had it been since, uh, the last record? Two years. So Darkness on the Edge of Town came out in June, so a little over two years. So he's still kind of taken his well, time. Here's what happened, Adam. And you and and we talked a little bit before the show. You don't know anything about this, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, not really. Um, because you don't do any research, and I have to do it all. That's right. Um, so they do Darkness on the Edge of Town. 
he records, we talked about it last episode, records a ton of songs and throws away most of them because he wants everything to be perfect. Perfect. And also this sort of wants it all to be thematically coherent. An album. So he throws away a bunch of songs. So he goes, well, you know what? I got all these songs. I'm going to put out a record in a year. And he he's uh, he in interviews, he's saying, like, I took way too long in the last one. We're going to put out the next one right away. Yeah. So with uh, these songs that were left with these songs that were left over and they're going to record a couple of new ones and stuff. And um, so he and you did not know this, Adam, but he put together a one album version. It was called The Ties That Bind. And he sent it to mastering and it was going to be released for uh, the holidays of 1979. And it was 10, 10 songs. And he got it together. He recorded a few more and put it together and sent it off to the record company. And everyone's like, yes, we got a new Springsteen album. So just real quick, this was leftover songs there, from Darkness on the Edge of Town? There were There were a few songs from Darkness that he had recorded that he was kind of like, oh, I'm going to put these on the next thing. I don't know whether any of those ended up making the 10 song version or the okay. final river, but he, he, that's what he was kind of thinking. Um, so at the last second, he pulled it and said, really? this said, this doesn't feel like an album to me. Um, like it, they had, Pressed it, mastered it. They, they. I don't, I don't know that they had mastered it or sent out any different versions. I, I think so. I think there were bootlegs of it. Wow. But, but he, he just pulled it at the last second and said, "No, I got to do another pass on this because it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like the the real record. Um, it's not saying everything I want to say. Um, so I got to pull it." And so then he went on a big long odyssey of trying to finish this record, Whoa. which ended up being now it's a double album, um, and eighty two minutes and fifty eight seconds. Yeah, it's huge, especially for then. Back then, double albums were double albums were maybe five minutes long in total. Yeah, but, but they th- people didn't really put out double albums that like the Beatles and I don't know. The Beatles put out the White Album. The and White then Album. Nothing. And albums didn't even come out for no. a long time. No, people after the White Album, people were like, no, no more They're albums. Like, Fuck. Even the Beatles, they were like, no more. Wow. So there are stuff on the single album that don't end up. There are songs, songs on the single yeah. album that don't end up on the uh, double album. Yeah. So Adam's taking a look at the track listing. The single the single album version is very interesting because there are different versions of songs yeah. that end up on the river. There are songs that don't end up on the river at all. And then there are little tiny differences. There are like verses, lyrics that are different in certain songs. And I, I've been looking for the, I read when the reissue came out, I read that hungry heart, which had been, um, sped up a little for the, the version that's on the river. Um, I heard that this single disc version wasn't as sped up, but I haven't confirmed that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, this is Adam was taking a look at the reissue, and saying like, why did they put out a single disc version of the river? Thinking it was just like a pared down, yeah, version for the casual fan. No, it's a it's a completely that's different so record. Interesting. Have you listened to it front to back? Yes, just to see what it's like. Yes. So I I think I understand what he means because 
here's the problem. So we listened to Darkness on the Edge of Town, and it's a kind of a depressing record and a bunch of serious songs, right? Yeah. And um, he really wanted to put out a record that... Here's the other problem. Everyone always said like, hey, love the records, but you're way better live. Right. I would rather listen to you live because the the record doesn't capture the live sound. So he really wanted to capture like what it's like to see them. Right. And when you see the band, it's like this jubilant experience. And Darkness is a great rock record, but I wouldn't say it's like an incredibly jubilant album. So, and he was writing, he wrote 90 songs for this record. Um, he was doing it by himself on his cassette recorder at this new place that he that he bought um, without the band, which he was doing, I think, on Darkness a little more. They were working out arrangements together before they ever stepped in. This one, he was kind of like, okay, I'm going to write all these, and um, then we're going to get into the studio with the band. Right. So uh, he writes 90 songs, and he feels like, okay, I'm going to whittle it down. He talks about how when he, he, when he writes an album, he doesn't like write it like, okay, I'm going to write 10 songs and that's it. He like has to whittle it down from a big thing and figure out what the album is. So when you listen to the first, the, the single disc album, it's got the songs like hungry heart on it, but it feels the hungry heart feels slight and then the slower songs feel like they don't belong. Yeah. It just feels, it's like a 40 minute record. It's a record. weird mix of a, like super yeah. heavy and fluffy. Super heavy and fluffy, which on the double disc version works it's fine. because yeah. you have so much time, 82 minutes, you're going between various different emotions all the time. But, right. But on the single disc version, it's just weird because it's like party song, party song, party song, slow, slow, slow. And then he was writing what he said were these really important songs which were uh, The River, Independence Day, Point Blank, Wreck on the Highway, songs like that, which he felt were very, very important, but they're all super slow. And he's like, you can't put all of those on one single disc album because it's too slow. Right. But I wanted to put out all those records. He wanted to have room for each yeah. kind of type of song. Yeah, so John Lando says to him at a certain point, why don't you just put out a double record and he hadn't pulled the album thinking that. He pulled it thinking he was going to put out a single record. But once that idea got in his head, he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's do that. And so what what comes out then is uh, an album with um, 20 songs. And they all are like, there's a bunch of like party songs. There are songs that are just like dumb joke songs. And then these incredibly serious songs yeah. as well, but there's so much space on the record that it doesn't feel like whiplash. And then it's interesting that he ends up changing the name of the album to The River, even though The River was on the original yeah. Ties It Bind album, but The River does feel like a much more, much more of an anchor than The Ties That Bind, right. as far as a song goes. So... The Ties That Binds, I, I watched the documentary that they included, and, and what's interesting about this documentary, as opposed to other ones on the Born to Run and Darkness reissue, is is there's n almost no studio uh, stuff. Huh. Like, like they weren't no allowing footage. cameras. So it's it's a lot of just Springsteen, modern day Springsteen, talking about what he was thinking. Right. And so I'm sort of extrapolating what I, what I think and what I've read about. So 
Springsteen, he goes to uh, one of his band members' wedding, um, and uh, something that the officiant says gets in his head, which was, I'm paraphrasing, I read it somewhere, but it's, a, it's, it's the officiant said something to the effect of, um, now that they are together, their story can start. Now they can start creating a life, mm-hmm. right? And this hits home with him because he alludes to it, but I think he's got a weird dating history, which has not worked out mm. at the time. And he's he's feeling depressed about the fact that he doesn't have a relationship. And so I think the ties that bind is him trying to write about relationships. He wants to do a, a, a record about relationships and what he's turning 30 that's the other thing that's happening Mm. is he's he feels like he's getting old he's not married yet he doesn't even have anything close to it and so this is a record the original version was him trying to like figure this out and figure out relationships and so Mm. that's what the ties that bind is all about is him talking about the ties that bind us all together he there's a really interesting quote in the documentary where he says he's talking about an artistic life and he says, you know, an artistic life where you're creating, you're creating stories. That's not a life. A a story is not a life. A story is just a story. And he felt like he didn't have a life yet. Hmm. He didn't, he, he was not creating, he was creating these things for other people, but he didn't have a story of his own. Mm -hmm. And so I think this record is him trying to figure that out with songs like um two hearts i think is a really important one where mm. he's talking about how two hearts are better than one um but he's also trying to then write about these characters that he wrote about in darkness and where they're at now yeah there's some really sad songs and also as far as the sound goes i feel like this is more of a turning point than darkness was like this is really we're really turning toward and then especially nebraska this kind of with nebraska really gets them ready for born in the usa and really perfecting this sound and these themes so they talk about how um you know in the in the darkness sessions they were they spent days if not weeks on the drum sounds Mm -hmm. and they couldn't figure it out Mm -hmm. and they want the record they they feel they still feel darkness feels like an antiseptic record to mm-hmm. them and music generally in the 70s doesn't feel live and alive to bruce mm-hmm. springsteen so they go into the power station um and they say within 20 minutes they got the snare sound they wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were just like oh okay yeah perfect and it sounds loud and whap yeah. And a lot of the songs start with drums. Yeah, yeah. And so what they wanted to do with this record is they wanted to have it sound more like the actual live experience and have it be messy and raw. Yeah. And with a 82-minute album, you could do that a little more and vary it and have songs that are just like weird additions that are loud party songs yeah. mixed with these really intense ballads. Mm. And it doesn't feel weird. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a 82-minute double album, 20 songs, and um, I think we should take a break and listen to it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to be right back. When we come back, we'll have 
the songs from the river. We'll be right back with more of you, Spring and Springsteen on my bean. Bye. Welcome back. That's one of the only Springsteen songs to have a Z in it, I believe. Rendezvous. You can't even hear it when you say the word rendezvous. Key, not just him though, the, the entire E Street band, they don't love they the, letter the letter Z. In fact, they were never on Sesame Street because of that. Yeah. Because it's a huge controversy. Everyone was saying like, look, you're the E Street band. We need you to come on Sesame Street and talk about Zs. Yeah. Everyone will be expecting it because Z rhymes like, with E. Listen, we'll come on Sesame Street. We'll talk about E all day long, all long day as long. you want. No one wanted that. But we're not talking about Z. I don't know how many times we have to tell you. So it was a big controversy. And I remember um, Clarence Clemens like punched Ernie at yeah. some point. But, um, punched his lights out. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, all right. So we're talking about the river. This is a long record. Um, let's get into it. Um, this is the first song on. We're going to talk about it in sides because I think it really makes sense as four mm. sides of a record. This is true. The first song on side one, this is The Ties That Bind by Bruce Springsteen. You hear that snare, smack. Yeah, man. The bind, so good. Little bridge action. You can listen to that on your own. It does feel like alive and like it's actually like occurring. It's not, yeah, you know, the, it's, recorded separately. The gunshot snare sound was very important to them, um, and yeah, it's got that jangle pop '60s yeah. birds kind of sound, you know, to it. Um, great what, chorus. Now, when you say gunshot snare, mm -hmm. what, what do you mean? They fire a gun mm -hmm. at the drum set okay. every single time they want a snare sound. Okay. So, and this has kept the, 
you know, uh, gun industry, the weapons industry in business yeah. essentially for years and years. Cause that's one thing Bruce insists on is, you know, he's occasionally it's just a pistol. Then he graduated, yeah. you know, to, you know, an AK 47 at one point. Um, if it's gotta be a really fast ticka, 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 yeah. ticka song, you know? So yeah. Cool. That's pretty cool. Guns are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, good start to the album. Yeah. I love it. I love that song. The track on the single disc version, it's a little buried, right? It's, uh, no, it's, it opens it. Oh, it opens it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I think it's a different vocal take. Really? Cause it says, it doesn't say version one on here. No, I think, I think in the difference, at least in the original, original version that Springsteen sent uh-huh. off, I don't know whether it's different on the reissue is he redid the vocal oh, with a better, better performance. They say, oh. Um, but yeah, very, very good song. Definitely not like born to run, uh, where it's like the ultimate song. It's just like a great jangle. Yeah. It's like a Tom Petty song in a way That's too, right. you know, it's just a great jangle pop song. That's right. Um, okay. So track two on side one is a song called Sherry Darling. And this is like a big sort of, um, sixties frat rock kind of song that I believe would have been left off the first is it on the first no, version? Yeah, it's, it's just like because it's kind of a a toss off, just mm-hmm. fun rock and roll song that they felt like they didn't have room for. But it's track two on this. Let's hear it, Sherry Darling. Yeah, he he never would have put a song like this on a record before because right. it's just too slight yeah. and it's too fun. And that's what's so great about it on the river is like it's fun. Yeah. It's a and it's a really good melody. And when he plays it live, it's so much fun to sing along to. And that yeah. that's what it, that's one of the things not to sum up this album, but too early. But that's what I love about this album is just it's him having fun kind of for the first time and with just really fun pop songs yeah that's what i've always loved about the river is that it has room for that and it's but it has kind of all of it it kind of feels like almost a greatest hit but at the same time it's pushing the sound and the songwriting forward i think it's a new kind of high for him the only things as we go through it the things that i don't connect to or love as much as a lot of the kind of reaching back into the 50s a little more directly you mean the one five no the one yeah uh, one fives, one fives. <laughs> um so yeah that was it, it was a real mission statement of like hey this is yeah. track two we're just we're having fun on this yeah. record 
sometimes, you know, because it'll get serious later, yeah. but um, very, very cool to have that so early in the record and just sets a great tone. Yeah. All right, this is track three on side one. This is Jackson Cage. More drums immediately. Sounds so good. This one kind of reminds me of like previous Bruce Springsteen songs uh-huh. in a way. Not in so it's not as trashy and fun as the previous two songs, right. but but a but a great upbeat rock song. Also, I just love that Max Weinberg is in this band now and also kind of spreading his wings a little bit. Yeah. Those fills are great fills. So we'll talk just we'll, him. We'll talk a little bit in a future song about would he remain in the band? Mm, interesting. Um, so Jackson Cage, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then this is track four on side one. This is, uh, we talked about it a little bit before. This is Two Hearts, and I found that quote um, when he was, uh, his lighting director, Mark Brickman, was getting married, and the rabbi told everyone that getting married was the first step toward making dreams and hopes a reality. And that just, like, stuck with Bruce, mm. was like, oh, that's what I want. Is this a last song on side one? No. This is the fourth song on side one. Uh, there's still one more after that. Mm. Okay, this is Two Hearts. Listen to that drum. So good. Great songs. Great. great melody. I mean, he was writing just hits yeah, man. at this point. Um, but but it, it is interesting if that was 
four songs into an only ten song record, you'd be kind of like, yeah, uh, okay, is yeah. that? It's just going to be. It's just this. It's just like a old, it's like a nineteen sixty four Beatles record. Is yeah. that all it is? You know, but uh, but it doesn't feel to me, at least yet, it doesn't feel like it's hearkening back or it's a pastiche or anything. No, like no, that. he's definitely trying to take the sixties and fifties sounds that he loved and recontextualizing. Them. Yeah. Um, sounds so good. Sounds so good. So then, then this is the last song on side one and this is independence day. And this is where you start to see the record kind of, uh, shift, open up a little bit yeah. and become a little more than that. This is independence day. song about fathers and sons um, kind of maybe taking place after an argument mm-hmm. that a father and son have in the evening and the son is saying alright let's go to bed there's nothing we're going to do to change each other's minds and in the Independence Day is to my reading about when a child leaves the house and sort of becomes their own person mm. You said, hmm. Like, hmm. What, I didn't know that happened. Do you still live with your parents? Yeah. Children leave houses. Yeah, even to go to school. Oh, kids leave to go to school? They leave the house? They leave the... So you never went to... You were homeschooled? What school? Um, yeah, I also uh, like it very much. I, I feel like... It's, I feel like something really clicked and uh, I kind of, again, I feel like this is like queuing up and teeing up um, Born in the USA and the fact that those songs have a lot of these same elements, except they, they really figure out the pop element and mm-hmm. get it out to everybody. And it, I, I think this song also works because it's like, oh, okay, that's the end of side one. And you're like, you've had four great, yeah. incredible rock songs in a row. And then a nice slow one is like, okay, let's turn it over. And um, it, it definitely doesn't 
feel slight anymore. You know, um, this yeah. is one of the important songs that he was he was writing that he really wanted to put on here. Um, I, I believe he wrote it for Darkness and then re-recorded it for the River. I believe that. Um, okay, so then you flip this, you flip the record over, and this is track one of side two, and this is the big hit single. This is "Hungry Heart" by Bruce Springsteen. So big hit single, his, his first, first hit single. Yeah, his first like top ten, right? And I, you know, I grew up kind of hearing the song on. Oh, by the way, the backups are Flo and Eddie from the Turtles. Um, is that who's singing backup? Yeah, there? wow. Along with Little Steven, and so cool. Um, but uh, I had always just kind of heard that song on the radio and assumed it was born in the USA. Yeah, because it sounds. This is like the most commercial he's ever sounded. Yeah. So it's it's the most like akin to Born in the USA, I think, out of anything he did. This is this is sped up. So this is they sped it up as far as they could. If they sped it up even a smidge more, they said it's, he sounds like Mickey Mouse. But they sped it up as as much as they could. You mean when they played it live, even the the tempo was no. So they they played it. Yeah. And did it to, did the take that they liked, and then the producer they would do this on records a lot just slightly speed it yeah. up because it just gives it more energy yeah you know like they would do this on smith's songs occasionally and uh-huh. stuff like that it just gives everything a little boost of energy but you can't to the ear you can't tell that it's they, been... they pushed they 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 experimented with it and did it even just a touch faster and he sounds like mickey mouse and i guess springsteen hated it at the time and then a year goes by, and he's like, this is feeling too slow. So they went back to the sped up version, which I think uh, the producer calls it one of the most important things he did on the record. Huh. And they so, also, they give Roy Bitten, they go, uh, I think Bruce Springsteen on the documentary was saying like, hey, uh, do, do an organ solo. And he just comes up with this perfect organ solo. Um, is the version on... On ties that bind is that one slower? So again, I haven't um, gotten confirmation, and I haven't done the the true. Uh, we can listen to. Yeah, it let's see. Um, let's do a little detective work here. I feel like we're kind of stepping on the toes of our sister show. You talking heads to my talking head, where we're listening to two different versions of something. But I, but I will but do it. I think overwhelmingly people will uh, have had so much fun with that they're going to yes, want the they're gonna same want. experience okay here we go so you you heard how that that first one sounded here's yeah it's a little slower it is yeah! weird 
Yeah, it feels a little plotting, doesn't it? Especially it does. just knowing the ver- this is the real version. Yeah. Oh my god. How bizarre. How bizarre, how bizarre is OMC perhaps the spiritual successors to Bruce his, Springsteen. So. His voice doesn't sound weird, but it's definitely faster. Yeah, I, there are certain songs that um, he would record and people would go like, I don't know, it's boring. Yeah. So they would take it up a key to where he, it's at the top of his range. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, fuck, that's high. And people are like, well, that's where you have to sing it. <laughs> um, so huh. it, it just makes everything sound a little more exciting. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah. whatever you say. Okay, this that's track one. So that's the hit single. What does that go all the way up to? It goes all the way up to on the Billboard Hot 100, number five. And big hit. Big hit. And also Springsteen, he was like, in the documentary, he says the fact that it was a double album meant that you could go for a big hit. You know, like if, if he had to make a statement with just 40 minutes, this, by the way, is before CDs. You could only do up to 44 minutes on 22 minutes aside. Right. So all these problems wouldn't be problems if suddenly you had 80 minutes on a CD to work with. Right. And, and you're doing what everyone does nowadays, which is like, oh, it's a 55 minute album or whatever. Just make albums that are way too long. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he was just like, we wouldn't have had room for a big hit single. Yeah. It would have felt weird to have a big yeah. hit single if I'm trying to do all these other stuff. So, Although Hungry Heart is It on is the on the single. first version, but I think he felt weird about it. Yeah. Like, it didn't belong there, you know? Um, Okay, so this is track two on side two. This is Out in the Street. We've come to that time. This is my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. Is it really? Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh, wow. I think so. I mean, it's definitely oh, the that's one cool. I enjoy listening to the most live. I This is in it like a euphoric moment in the live show for me to sing yeah. along with a... Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's so fun. I I don't know. I feel like... I, feel I like love it's this part, favorite. too. We ain't gonna take what I yeah, it's oh, 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 it's oh. really 
terrific. I mean, it's a great song. One thing I, I forgot to mention about Hungry Heart is, uh, so Springsteen goes to see the Ramones, and he goes backstage, and um, Joey Ramone is like, hey, man, uh, write a song for us. And yeah. so he writes Hungry Heart for the Ramones. And... Um, John Landau's like, please don't give this yeah, away. Yeah, don't give that to the Ramones. <laughs> like you see what you see what's happened with, you know, uh Patty Smith yeah. and the Pointer Sisters have had these major hits. He's like, please don't do Did this. Did he ever give them a song? So he he wrote then a different song for them that he kept too. <laughs> so really? He, he never ended up. I would imagine they covered Hungry Heart at some point, didn't they? I don't think so. Huh. I, and I feel like it would be weird anyway to me. For them. For the Ramones. Like they can write their own songs. Um uh, is so. Is this your favorite Springsteen album? I I don't want to say this until we get uh, to the more end. towards the end. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I I just love out on the street. I, I, and and I don't think that I I even really clocked it until the River Tour, and it just sounded so good on the River Tour. I was just like, oh. so you you saw this tour? Yes. Yes. Oh, how fun. Uh, no, I mean not the not the original, record, right, right, the the one where he redid it. Okay, so this is the third track on side one, uh, side two rather. This is "Crush on You." So Bruce, Bruce has said uh, that uh, the band firmly believes this is the worst song they've ever put on record. <laughs> really? But I think in a joking way he's saying that because it's just so basic or something. Basic and fun. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I wouldn't say it's like an incredible melody because he's just kind of shouting. But No, but it's fun. But that's why doing a double record, you can put stuff like that yeah. on it. It's great, I think. Um, okay, this is uh, track uh, four of side two. This is You Can Look, but Adam, you better not touch. What? <laughs>
I mean, another just great rocker. Yeah. Love it. Now on the the single disc version, uh, it's a little more rockabilly. Do you want to hear yeah. how that sounds? It's a be- way better version. <laughs> the version that's that's on the double. That's on, that's on the double. Yeah, I don't like this very much. Not my fave. Yeah. So they they perfected it for the the double version. Um, that's a yeah. It's it's a great song. Great live. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, track five on side two. This is I want to marry you. So he talks about how he wrote this sort of in a daydream, as he says, where he like you see someone on the street and you sort of imagine like, what if we were together and you imagine a whole life with that person and kids and yeah, in sort of an instant. And that's, he says, it's not a real life. It's a consequence free life, but you got to start somewhere. And so he yeah. wrote this song about it. Nice. I think it's just. It's not my fave. It's not my fave in terms of like, if it were a single disc, I'd say jettison. But um, I can also see it as something that someone else could cover and have a huge hit with. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I. Yeah, we should. Let's do it. Do we need to take singing lessons? No, 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 no. Did we're good. Bruce Springsteen yeah. take singing lessons? F- fuck no. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, this is the last song on side two. This is The River. What?
The River, incredible. This is on a lot of his be- greatest hits. Yeah. This is, although it wasn't a hit, it was uh, a single, technically. It was? It was the fifth single, uh, but only in the UK and parts of Europe, I guess. But I mean, I think this is a very important song yeah. to him. I mean, this um, sounds like. Uh, more produced version of what would be on Nebraska. Yes. This is this is one of those songs that he kind of wrote a little later. I know this is on the single disc version. I think there's overdubs, new overdubs on this version, uh-huh. and then the coda is also uh, not on the single disc version. Uh-huh. But um, all about someone who's like too young to get married, yeah. Uh, but sort of does. Yeah. This is one of his like guy on a bar stool talking to a bartender kind of songs (laughs) that he's so so good at which hungry heart is one where he's like you know it's such a fun pop song you it it belies the fact that this is a guy complaining about his life but it's also this really strong narrative and like kind of traditional storytelling that that he you know is so good at and gets more into with with the next album too yeah so good so and uh you know so he's done two sides of the record where it's like fun party songs yeah. and then ending with these like serious songs and it sounds it sounds good it's like but but if it was just this it wouldn't be it'd still be a little unsatisfying you'd be like I, I feel like this first this first record is like a perfect album yeah every song is a banger right? yeah 
Um, Adam, we don't have time. I think we should split this up in between two episodes. Two eps? I think we should do we should do another ep on the second record, and we can also then hear some of the stuff they cut, maybe. But uh, yeah, that's a good idea. But I think that's a good idea. So, um, all in all, this first disc, which is approximately. 40 minutes? 40 minutes or so, maybe 42. Perfect, I think. Amazing. Um, And we'll see what the second disc has in store for us um, when we do the next episode. But that's going to be it for us uh, for this one. Adam, it's been great hanging out with you. Absolutely. Um, We'll see you next time. And until then, we hope that you found what you've been looking for. Bye. Bye. Oh,